Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the Sports Squire. Welcome to Sports Squire Radio. I'm your host, Brad Howe. I'm a former collegiate athlete, exercise enthusiast, and physical therapist in the realm of orthopedics and sports rehab. Today's episode is going to be the last episode of season one and also the last episode of 2020. It's strategically picked out for every single one of you out there to help you to propel yourself into a great 2021. And I've got again my guest, Justin Petty, who is our positive and sport psychology expert, one that has uh, spent a, a better part of his life in research and academia and the psycho- psychology field and uh, is really going to bring a lot of great knowledge today. Justin, thanks so much again for having you back on the Sports Squire platform. Appreciate being back on, Brad. Excited to talk a little bit today about uh, motivation, goal setting, transformation. So see where we can go. So episode 24 is making good on personal transformation, motivation, goals, and behavioral change. So as we talk about, Justin, moving into the new year, and we, we all, I think, can can put a poo-poo on 2020, right? <laughs> I think that's that's pretty official at this point. But at the same time, I think, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of us have some silver linings that, that have happened in 2020 in, in regards to maybe some, some changes that we reflected on that we wanted to, to see, uh, see change and maybe wouldn't have changed if, uh, if we didn't see this, this pandemic. Yeah, I think, you know, this whole time of stillness has offered us this great, you know, reflection on a lot of things. And uh, yeah, hopefully that means that 2021 is going to bring, you know, new versions of ourselves and, and better communities. But yeah, a lot of that starts with the appropriate strategy, making sure you're doing things the right way, because yes, it's one thing to reflect. It's another thing to to maybe have some vision for, for where you want to go. But then, you know, there is the process of actually getting there and getting there, hopefully, you know, efficiently and in a healthy way. So uh, yeah, that's what I want to talk about today. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about, too, because I think you know, most of us think of New Year's resolutions as you get towards the end of the year, and we all know that the science points that, you know, those resolutions don't tend to stick stick around very long. And if there's one person that I know, and, and you're it, that knows about the psychological processes that need to happen in order to, to make permanent change, um, and that's that's definitely what we want to speak about um, today. You know, as we, we think about that, Justin, you know, one of the questions, um, you know, that kind of comes to mind, you know, most people, when they think about New Year's resolutions, they think about just kind of, you know, best case scenario. At least that's that's what most, you want to lose 50 pounds, I want to look a certain way, I want to make a little bit more money in 2021, I want to spend less, I want to eat better, you know, whatever that may be, you know, and some of them can be kind of generalized type goals. But, What's the difference between being the best at something and then doing your best at something? 
so I think when we we put these goals or you know ideals in front of us, uh, they can be very idealistic. So we we always want to first like measure you know when we want something, um, how short term versus long term is that thing going to be uh, in terms of our pursuit of it. Uh, what are the steps required to get there? Of course, you know, how much energy is going to go into it. And so those are the things that usually somebody who's thinking about doing their best at something, um, that's kind of how they approach the, the question, right? And so it's not so much about maybe what other people may think or um, various social pressures, but um, you know, doing your best at something is inherently internal. It's not uh, comparative. And so that's going to be one of the themes that we kind of come back to um, today more and more is just, you know, when we're talking about how do I get to this, this end goal of mine, this future self that I've, you know, put out before myself, then um, you've got to really understand, well, what goals am I going to have to accomplish to get there? You know, what are those actual stepping stones? And those goals are fundamentally split down uh, the middle, which we've talked about in episodes past, but not in much detail, which we'll, we'll get into today. Um, but being the best at something is inherently like you saying, well, I am better than everybody else, right? So it's a, by nature, a comparison type of thing, mm-hmm. um, which just means you're, you know, maybe the best compared to those around you. And, you know, what does that actually mean? How far does that comparison actually extend, right? Um, and then we also hear about doing our best, which is, you know, obviously more of an effort-based thing. It's an internal thing. And it's also something, most importantly, you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll talk a lot today, too, about just setting goals that are uh, both internal and external in balance, but also those that are controllable and uncontrollable. And, and realizing kind of that factor and that dynamic can sometimes help us better process failures and struggles and stresses and that's ultimately one of the biggest predictors of whether you're going to stay on that path or whether you're going to fall off is mm-hmm. how do you deal with the difficulty along the way. Yeah. And so this is going to give you guys some tools to help manage some of that. No, this is uh, I'm excited. Before we dig into this cuz this is going to be uh this is going to be awesome. How the heck are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm definitely uh, ready to have this conversation right now because this is also just where I am personally. Yeah. Uh, when I'm thinking about, you know, the closure of a year and this kind of, I don't know, I always think of this time of year as like a reset, right? And it is kind of dark and gloomy. Uh, it is the solstice as well. So I'll, uh, I'll shout that out that we're going through that transformation as well. Um, is that like trollstice? <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, I think that this is just, it is naturally a time. This is why we have, you know, the, uh, the Christian holiday of Christmas, but before that it was the holiday of Saturnalia, uh, which dealt with just this whole, uh, seasonal change we're going through. Um, and so it was a time of like gift giving, but also a time of deep reflection and connection and thinking about like, explain that. (laughs) What, what, what did you just say? So Christmas, uh, before it was Christmas and before we had Christianity, uh, it was a holiday called Saturnalia. That was a Roman holiday. Um, and it was more of a pagan holiday, but it was kind of the day where like the slaves became a bit more of the masters and the masters would actually kind of serve their slaves, even if that meant just like, you don't have to work today. Yeah. That was a part of the whole deal. So you can kind of see some of the, the chime between that and Christmas. And, um, and so that whole season though, was also about just like, I think Christmas has some intention to, um, there's yeah, some, some quiet time, some family yeah. time, some solitude. And I think understanding like who you are in that context as a mm-hmm. family person, um, because we all begin there really. 
but then also I think that break away from your job, your labors, the day to day, like that's the time for you to kind of like separate and go through that process of sort of, you know, of what maybe recreation, you know, putting yourself back together after that long, hard push, you know, after a long year, especially this one. So, you know, this is, this is the process that I'm going through right now. And I just like to, you know, put my goals out before me and really think, you know, did I achieve what I wanted to? Uh, Why not? Did I uh, have some successes? Why did those things work out? And why did that go so well? And that's from relationship to relationship. And mm-hmm. that's from, you know, um, you know, my work. That's from my passions. I try to go through some of those questions with everything. And I think that sets me on a better maybe pedestal going into 2021. Where should I reinvest maybe or double down on my time and efforts? Yeah. Maybe some other places where I should cut some of that and just making sure, you know, everything's balanced there. No, that's, you guys have just all got smarter there. We all learned something new there. Your historical big brain reference, <laughs> man. That's awesome. So it's solstice, not trollstice, like from trolls. <laughs> Not, we're not eating trolls. Uh, no, I think that's great. And Justin, you as a uh, you know psychology teacher as well, I know this is a, a break. You know, in regards to like you're saying, you're doubling down on reflecting on your time. And um, you know, a big thank you out to all the teachers that are out there. You know, I just have a lot of respect for uh, what all of you have gone through through 2020. I know it's been extremely challenging with you know going back and forth between live courses and you know, doing Zoom or other virtual platforms. And I just can only imagine what you guys have been through this year. Um, so so with that, what's the highlight of your 2020? Ooh, the highlight of 2020. Well, first of all, um, I try not to look at 2020 as maybe a bad year for me. It was definitely a bad year for us, sure. the collective us. But for me, um, you know, I, I was continually trying to use that as an opportunity. That's just the way yeah. I think I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneurial mindset. So if I see a problem, um, I try to, to look at the bad side. I look at like the opportunistic side of like, yeah. what can I, what can I do with this? What can I use this for? Um, I don't know. And I find like artists are really good at that too. They just like mm-hmm. things happen and I'll, no, I'm going to use that. I'm going to make something out of it. And I felt like, um, I don't know. That was the mentality I tried to cultivate more and more this year. And, and that was even like you're, listening to more music. Well, and like, your new wife's listening too. So you better say the right answer, Justin. I'm trying to court you towards, I'm just kidding. But yeah, you're no, right. You you stole my thunder. So <laughs> I was just getting to that, to that. that, that kind of, I don't know, that, uh, that inward time actually did kind of allow us to have those conversations of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do we want to, do we want to be more serious about this? How serious yeah. are we? What do we want to have kids? Like, those are all pretty important things to, to yeah. ask. And um, I don't know, I feel like in, maybe if it was in the humdrum of a normal normal year, um, we definitely wouldn't have moved so quickly through those questions. I know that. Yeah. Um, and who knows how, you know, how that conversation would have played out. It, it was just, it, it felt like the right thing and not just because we were stuck with each other uh, and we can't, you know, yeah. go out and go out and see other people or do many other things. But it was like, man, we've really kind of enjoyed each other's time through this. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time together, which is not, our natural state. Um, and so, yeah, I, I felt like, wow, if we can, if we can be happy at the end of, you know, six, eight months, you know, basically locked down and quarantined together, <laughs> we can probably do it for the rest of our lives. <laughs> That's a great point, man. Oh, and I probably echo that as well. I mean, I think the, um, whether you want to call it forced quarantine time with your, uh, your loved one, whoever it is that, that you're in a relationship with, but, uh, yeah, I feel the same way. Carly and I, it's like, man, we've spent more time together um than we ever have and we've been together since you know elementary school so it's uh it's been it's been wonderful it's been a good change of pace that's definitely the highlight 
Um, extremely grateful that Miles, you know, our almost seven-year-old, got to play all of his sports. I know some of you out there may be opinionated on whether or not sports continued or not, but, you know, for, for our household, I was extremely grateful that he was able to mentally stay well and exercise and, and have an opportunity to, to play with his buddies and, and learn how to compete and learn some of that discipline, even though it was, uh, you know, you couldn't have both set of grandparents at the games. It was limited to the amount of people that could come in. You know, I'm screaming at them through a mask. They couldn't understand what I say anyways without a mask on. And uh, so I'm extremely grateful for that and uh, really grateful for this podcast as well. You know, and for you, Justin, you've been, you know, a, a big inspiration to me to continue to keep pushing forward with this project. And um, I'm just really excited about, you know, what you and I are, are going to be able to do in the future in regards to educating, you know, those out there that need this mental wellness background and how movement and physical functioning and capacity really blend with that mental wellness. And so for that, I'm extremely grateful. Yeah, same here. It's been, uh, again, something I've, I've wanted to talk about for a long time with a lot of people. And there just aren't many people who are interested in all the same questions as I am. So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful not only for the conversation, but then for the chance to be able to record it and share it with folks because I also just like helping people um, yeah. as much as I possibly can. And I know how hard, you know, sports athletics can be on top of being trying to be a great student on top of trying to be a great friend and all these other things. And so, you know, I didn't get a lot of that, uh, that information when I was looking for it. And so I'm glad to provide that for your listeners. No, that's great, man. It's, um, so as we push forward and we look into the day's, day's personal transformation kind of episode, I think it's it's very easy. I know it, it has been for me several times throughout the years where, you know, I, I want to, you know, go after a goal. I want to set commitments. But then there sometimes comes into that comparison, you know, where I start to compare myself to either some other situation. Um, even if things are going well, I'm looking at someone else saying, oh, is it going better for them? Um, how do you how do you coach that up, coach around that? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing that um, if you're coaching a team, if you're, you know, leading a, a business team, even we're not even, you know, talking necessarily fully about sports. Um, this is something I do with all of my classes, like first and foremost, like when I'm getting to know you, I want to know why are you here, right? Like when I when I ask that question and it needs to be like a really robust, really deep, expansive conversation. And that's a conversation that begins the year but then you also are kind of bringing back um you know as needed where appropriate and and that can be a conversation that aligns with values and value systems and kind of the culture of that you're trying to build um but it can certainly also just be um individual growth items and so i'm always questioning that and i make my students and i make my uh when i was a coach i made my athletes articulate this because if we don't clearly articulate that and take time with it and set it before ourselves you know, it just, it's something that it allows people to sort of go off script, right? Your team can sort of become disparate and disconnected much faster if you're not all really aware of like, why am I here? Why are we here? So there's an individual thing that's happening there mm -hmm. um, that they have to go through. And then there has to be, you know, a collective thing. And then I think it's also important that the collective knows everybody else's individual thing. Like, you know, what, why is that person here? Why is that person here? Because we all do have different interests and reasons. And sometimes also, if I hear your reasons, um, that may further inspire me in, in some way that mm -hmm. may, oh, wow, that's great. Or I love the way you said yeah. that. And all of a sudden we're also bonding <laughs> and we're yeah. also communicating on, 
a much deeper level than saying, hey, you know, screen on your left side. Hey, you know, I'm open, pass me the ball. Like we're moving to deeper levels in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's also where you can get just like deeper sacrifices, whether it's uh, on a play or it's like you need to ride home from practice types of things. Um, and so that's kind of the beginning point. And, and we separate that, like we said early on, into these sort of internal factors and these external factors. And in the psych psychology world, we just call them, you know, intrinsic and extrinsic goals. So, um, you know, they're, they're kind of leading with um, the, uh, the syllable that's kind of telling you where, where you're going. Intrinsic are internal goals. And so they're mostly focused on and they have kind of three core elements that they're divided into. Um, one is purpose and purpose and meaning are essentially synonymous there. Autonomy, again, that's like self-mastery, self-independence, liberty, right? Um, and then mastery. And so these are like skills, you know, that you can develop along the way. These can be communication or actual physical skills. And so all of your intrinsic goals are essentially orienting around one of those three entities. So how do I create meaning or purpose for my players? How do I create a sense of autonomy and sort of self-independence and liberation here to where I'm not like the coach who's always sort of authoritatively on them, like watching and, and critiquing everything you do? Like people need space, right? Same thing with employees. They need space and independence um, to be able to kind of grow into themselves and they, they kind of need their own path. And so then you'll have the other side, which will be, well, what are your extrinsic goals? And we all have them. And these aren't necessarily bad things. They can sound bad because I'm going to give you some examples. Money, right? Power, dominance, pleasing people, avoiding shame, trophies, stats, rankings. Um, and a lot of that, you know, even winning, um, that can be, we call that competition. And that's kind of the foundation of sports, right? For a lot of people, like that's the stuff that, that's why they do it. Yeah. Uh, or why they watch it, or why they say they played. But what about the intrinsic stuff? And why is it so hard to come up with that? And why aren't coaches, you know, doing more of this with their athletes? Um, or how can we help them do more of those those things and create those, you know, kind of group environments um, where people can really understand the dynamics of, again, why they are there, why we are there. And now all of a sudden it, we've got some direction, right? And if, if stuff starts going off the rails in some way, we come back to that moment and essentially, this is kind of your team's, you know, in, in ways, constitution. Yeah, you got a list of team rules that everybody should sign off on. But then from there, we need to break off. And, and our next step of team development is really goal setting for the season. Um, and that should be worked through mostly with your team leadership. And then you kind of work with some of your younger athletes, you know, going down because everything's going to start with your leaders. And you got to make sure, you know, they're kind of driving the, the collective goals along with the coaching staff. It should be a shared effort. So that's kind of how, you know, I would I would approach a sports team um, or some sort of business team or organization. Initially, those are the steps that they need to go through. And they're, of course, you know, very practical things to, to do that best, actually getting that information from athletes and then kind of feed giving them some feedback because they need coaching through that, too. Like, you know, it's right. you're not going to be perfect from the get go. Right. You know, you're going to have your own goals in the goal setting process that you're going to have to even evaluate. And this may even change how you structure practice every day. Mm -hmm. I would want to know some of these things from my players like almost every day, you know, just those reminders. Right. Because the funny thing about goals and reminders they actually change the architecture of your brain. So when we're more focused on something, when we're reminded of something, we're doing something over and over, you know, that neuroplastic brain that we have, the idea that our neural networks are shaping based upon what we're focused on and what we're doing over and over and over again, like we actually can change our biology 
through our own goal setting. And then we can make our reaction times a little faster, our decision-making a little better, our trust levels a little bit higher. And now, now we've got this great sort of, you know, movement in a positive direction. And so I've, I've never heard that. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah. So, so setting goals changes the neural plastic. It's neuroplastic essentially. Yes. Yeah. That's, you got it. That's incredible. You that's incredible. It. So w- with that being said, and I love the fact that, because I think for, for some of them, people that are out there listening, some of them may be, um, on sports teams, some of them may be healthcare providers, some of them may be, um, you know, athletes, they may be, you know, coaches, there's all sorts of different, different people. And I think, you know, what I want to draw a parallel to and maybe get your help with is, you know, when you look at teams, it seems a lot easier to achieve goals when you've got leaders, you've got, you know, people that understand the power of goal setting, you know, hopefully everybody, I've, I've learned two things so far today uh, now on goal setting and how it changes your brain. I mean, I've always known that that's something that's extremely important, but like when you get down to the brass tacks of it, if if everybody understood that there was an actual biological change, you know, would you purposely do that more? But I guess my question is, is, you know, is maybe the reason that resolutions, because those are, those are goals too, you know, mm-hmm. people want to, to, to hit a certain goal, whether it's what you just said, extrinsic or intrinsic, whatever it may be, you know, they want to hit those as well. But, you know, is, is there any science around the fact of having accountability, having a teammate? Because there's some people that don't have the luxury of having good leadership or teammates around them, whether it's business or sport. Yeah. So there's, there's always this, again, that kind of internal external factors that you've got to look at. And even when you're creating, you know, you have a particular resolution in mind, or you've got some longer term goal in mind, you then have to break that resolution or that longer term goal down into probably several, you know, day by day, week by week, month by month types of goals until you can accomplish that. And if you don't take the time to do that, um, it's just much more likely you're not going to reach it. And that's kind of the just the simple math that, that plays out there. Um, and early on, if it's like a really bad habit you're trying to change, and just to give you some sense out there, it's, it's about 45 days of pretty consistent, conscious, you know, intentional effort to change a habit, to make a bad habit a good one. And so that's usually constructed around rewards and punishments. Kind of t- t- Talk to me about that because, so, I mean, I think we all have bad habits. Mm-hmm. I mean, and... You know, there's some habits. It's like, gosh, like I wish I could change that. Like, what do I do? It's behavioral. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you coach around that? Because 45 days, it's like, oh, great, it takes 45 days. How in the world do I get through 45 days and actually change that habit? Because I think a lot of people, several times throughout their lives, whether you're, you know, addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to, to you know, tobacco or pornography or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely tracks that that people have and and that lead them down certain ways but they've tried several times i always hear people may shoot me for saying this but dan dockage does a really good job on his um his show talking about how he used to chew tobacco and how he you know tried and failed several times for several years and how he always encourages people to say hey if you made it 60 days and then you relapse that's 60 more days that you didn't do it don't worry about it i keep moving forward but like Mm -hmm. For, for people that struggle with that habitual bad habit, and it may not be as dark as some of those things, right? It may be just they've got a crummy attitude and their attitude sucks and that affects their relationships or, or whatever that may be. 
what does that look like? What's that 45 days look like? Yeah. So initially, if it's something that you just really don't want to do and you're really fighting, um, one of the suggestions we get from psychology is, yeah, start off with something that's extrinsic, like make it external because you have that, you already have that internal relationship with it. You don't like it that much. Yeah. So it's like, that means you've got to do a lot of work maybe externally to try to engage yourself when these are kind of, we also call these external cues. So you could do something as little as like writing notes to yourself, right? About, Hey, I'm going to do this. They can be kind of affirmational. Um, and then they, you've got all sorts of reminders. You can also set up rewards and punishments for yourself where it's like, okay, if I do this thing, then I have to put $10 in this jar. And at the end of the month, I'm donating that money somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. To some charitable organization, but it is no longer mine. So taking things away from ourselves that we like or think are ours, that's one really effective way to motivate ourselves to change our behaviors because yeah. things that we own or possess, if they're taken away, we call that loss aversion in psychology. That's painful. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to create some change. You can also, of course, use social pressures. I want to run more, so I join a group, or I want to bike more, and I kind of yeah. rely on that pressure of someone else yep. getting me to do something that I just don't want to do. If that's what makes you do it, great, especially early on. And, and typically, those types of folks, they start to find another type of goal and relationship to what they're doing along the way. Mm-hmm. Now it's not just like, oh gosh, you know, Johnny's going to get mad if I don't show up for the running group this morning. Now it's like, man, I'm going to really miss talking to Susie in the running group this morning. Like it yeah. becomes that type of dynamic, but it takes an evolution maybe of your goals and why you're there and what those forces are. And they may start off in a place of guilt or shame or anger and it can yeah. start in a dark place. That's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, Dan Dockich's comment as well, right? And going through, you know, addiction and things like sometimes, yeah, it does start in a place where you hit some sort of bottom where you do have to use some guilt or shame to like really force yourself to make that change. And it could be like you look at your small child and think, okay, you know, how long do I want to spend this life with them? Yeah. If that's what it takes to get you to start taking other actions and, and maybe restricting yourself more and more and getting better at that self-control or putting things in place so you can control yourself, then I think those are all positive things. And we can just hope, you know, along the way, you know, when and where to shift your goals. And if you can do that right, you know, now we're talking about that place of like really hitting those marks that you're trying to hit over the long term. Yeah. And I can't remember, you sparked my, my mind in regards, there was something I was reading or might've been a podcast I was listening to that was stating statistics after um, individuals have open heart surgery you know they have a consultation with a thoracic surgeon and they basically say hey this is what needs to change after you go through this open heart surgery we open up your your arteries put the stents in and they're all 100 percent you know agreeable to that right and then they have the surgery it's successful and there's a very high percentage of those people that never change their habits and that just like it blew my freaking mind. I mean, it, it just you know how can you almost how can you lie on a table, knowing that the one thing that's going to save your life and the actions that brought you to that table, you know whether they're hereditary or they're nutritional or they're sedentary, doesn't matter. If someone tells you that what you're going to do is going to extend your life and you still don't change it, like I just have a hard time understanding that. So like is is that a deeper rooted issue? Like why why in that specific scenario, why is that so hard to change? Yeah, that would definitely be if you're a psychologist looking at that, you're looking at stuff that's really hardwired and wired low in the brain and the lower something is wired, kind of like the closer towards your spinal cord. 
um, usually one, the more unconscious that is, but also kind of the more emotional um, and less access you have to it to change it. Right. And mm -hmm. so it can be that deep stuff that does take sometimes a mental health professional to actually kind of know how that plays out and maybe, you know, your life and your choices like those that are just seemingly, um, you know, very, very irrational when you think about your health and well-being and your life and all that. And so uh, in that case, there's probably a lot of trauma in there somewhere that yeah. this person is turning to food, um, you know, to medicate themselves in some way. And that could also include alcohol and, you know, tobacco. Sure. Um, and so I would look at a place. Yeah, there is some pain there that has not been overcome. And now it's just kind of manifesting as like how I'm going to eat, right? Or how I'm not going to exercise. That is, and it's a psychological problem more than mm -hmm. it is a physical one at that point. Um, and so the questions would also arise is in like, if, if we're getting patients coming in like that, um, what kinds of care and support psychologically are they getting coming out just so they right. don't repeat that cycle again? And, you know, it's also a sign as, as a, as a health professional, this is, this is also your chance to help somebody, right? Not yeah. only can you fix their, their physical heart, but you can also kind of fix their psychological one too, because yep. there's something that's broken still. Um, and so that I think needs to be a better part of maybe, um, that outpatient process is evaluating you know, who's most at risk to kind of repeat these behaviors and understanding where that comes from um, and getting them in a better place for healing. And that could also translate even to, you know, athletes that we're thinking about just because we know that, you know, so many athletes who are, you know, chronically injured also have some, you know, chronic psychological issues yeah. um, that yep. correlate with that. And so, you know, our athletic trainers of the world, our physical therapists of the world, um, they also, and even coaches, need to be aware of that dynamic where if you've mm -hmm. got somebody who's constantly in the training room and then you're also seeing some signs, you know, that there could be some psychological issues, you know, feel free and comfortable to like make those steps to at least, you know, inquire and figure out if that person needs, needs some help. Yeah, and that, this is exactly why <laughs> why you and I are having this conversation right now because it's just such an underserved area. And and I think sports can be such a a great vehicle because, you know, in those those examples and I'm not picking on anyone out there who's had open heart surgery and you know, I know a lot of people have different pathways, you struggle a little bit more, you may have, you know, a toxic uh, you know, tight circle that you're around that may cause some of that. Like you said there's there's some trauma probably involved from a developmental standpoint as well. But, you know, for me, proactively, all that is reactive stuff. And I'm not saying they don't need, they need mental health. But at that point, I would, you, uh, you can chime in here in a second, but like, I would imagine it's probably harder to change those habits than it is to teach a young person proactively, you know, what signals to kind of watch out for. Right. And we talked about that neuroplasticity concept where, you know, what we think repetitively with focus, with emotion, and do repetitively, and with those same markers in mind, those are the drivers of our of our neurons, our brain cells branching out and connecting with each other. And those connections are essentially what we want, right? That's what gives us the ability to speak and do everything and think everything that we can we can think. And so, when you're young, though, those those networks are more plastic they're more flexible they're ready to reconnect disconnect and 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 so that's in part why you know uh you're changing a lot you're growing you know you're developing psychologically and physically um but they're just more responsive to the environment thus they can be more sensitive to negative stimulation right but they're mm -hmm. also more sensitive to positive right and yeah. so given the right structures as you said um, and, and given the right trainings and understanding how to deal with stresses and failures and, you know, schools aren't necessarily the, 
the best place for that may be in a classroom, but I think sports are an excellent place to deal with, you know, stress coping and management techniques. And so, and, and goal setting is also a really important part of that. And so, yeah, there are some proactive things that we can do and it doesn't have to become, you know, a part of the medical field. It doesn't have to be an expensive treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's simply, you know, training teachers, training coaches, uh, how to deal with these young athletes, especially young athletes that are, you know, traumatized. There is a specific type of of therapy and direction and guidance that they need. Um, But I think this is all a really, really important part of, yes, reconstructing education and certainly sports, you know, as the service and kind of role it plays in our society. Um, I think the coaches, you know, your job is to, yeah, sure, win some games, but fundamentally it's really to develop young people um, and get them ready for adulthood. Can you say that again? Say it one more time. (laughs) Repeat that. That's worth repeating. So coaches, yes, sometimes the goal is to win the game, but ultimately the goal is for personal transformation and giving your young athletes these skills um, in order to make them healthy adults and successful adults. And you can't yeah. It's really hard to be successful or at least fulfilled without that health component that I know Brad's come back to, you know, time and time again. But if we're doing this when you're 50 or 60 years old, you know, those pathways, those networks, they aren't yeah. changing much, no. right? There's a reason older people are stubborn. Right. And it's just because those pathways get less and less flexible as we age. There are ways and, you know, aspects of your diet and, and lifestyle that you can change to make them or keep them more flexible. But fundamentally, they start to get more and more fixed as you age. It's just what happens. And so, you know, those negative tendencies, dynamics and relationships, those, you know, thought pathways that you've worked for for decades and decades, it's going to be really hard to undo that. So the more you think a thought, um, the more you do something a certain way, the harder and harder it is to undo it. So when we talk yeah. about habits, right. like the longer it's been a habit, you know, that 45 day average, it gets pushed out for you. So if yeah. it's been a habit for five years, you know, it could take almost as long. It typically, we see about three quarters of the time at least to begin changing that habit. And so that's just how the brain architecture wires. And if you're setting goals, though, to change that habit, mm-hmm. it's going to happen a little faster for you. Your brain's going to w- rewire a little faster. You're going to build your skills a little bit faster. Your brain is really responsive to goal setting, but that also requires those constant reminders. So you got to, it's a goal. Great. It doesn't make it magical and it's going to just change your life. You have to find ways to come back to that, evaluate it. Am I achieving this? How do I need to readjust it? That's going to keep your brain going in the right direction. So I think this is a perfect segue because as we talk about, you know, those goals and you talk about coming back to those, there's obviously a, there's an innate motivational perspective or something that's happening that's helping you to achieve the goals. And, you know, for me, you know, I I was in a um, position you know, in the in the past several years, we had an opportunity to to lead several leaders in kind of a a clinic uh, clinic setting. They were clinic directors of outpatient physical therapy centers, and you know, one of the things that you know I always you know talk to them about um, from a motivational standpoint was just you know making sure that they're setting goals, but they're also checking their commitments to those goals, and that they're checking the activities. And the ones that were extremely successful at doing that had a better wrap around the commitments that they were setting compared to their goals. And the ones that, that didn't, they couldn't clearly articulate back, you know, why they weren't making progress on some of that. So as we segue, you know, what is, what is that motivation? How does that motivation help with achieving your goals? Yeah, so when you're looking at goals, it sounds like you're kind of describing the uh, what I what I call the SMART system. We see this in a lot of you know business environments. Um, so SMART is just an acronym that stands for uh, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. 
Um, and so all goals should have, you know, some components of those, or you should be kind of thinking about your goals in those ways. So you got to define your expectations. You don't want to be too vague or too general. So that's the specific component. And the measurable component, quality, quantity, timeliness, right? Cost, right? You can't, you may want to run a marathon, but you know, if you've got uh, four or five kids at home, uh, that can be really hard, I'm sure, to train yeah. for, right? <laughs> so like we have to understand that, you know, yeah. there are certain costs that come into, you know, hitting our goals and hitting those little stepping stones, make it practical. If it's not practical, you're probably going to fall off the wagon and not achieve what you want. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of achievable, keep your goals within reason. It's good to set maybe a few goals that are a little out of reach. That's good. It makes us stretch. Yeah. Even if we don't hit those, that can be that's okay. It has to be okay for us. It can't yeah. be a giant, you know, guilt and shame game. That just means now there's a chance for feedback and we can just better our goals. So this also gives you a, a much better way of adding like that silver lining to things that can yeah. be so important when people are, are dealing with tough times or, or just dealing with, with failure and difficulty. Um, and then we've got goals that are relevant. Again, it needs to fit, you know, within what you're trying to do and who you want to become. So there, when I, with the relevant piece, I always try to get athletes and students to identify with like values, identity, right? Who do I want to be, right? It needs to be something that I'm stretching to become. Human beings just want that growth. And then, uh, like I said, fundamentally, they need to be some sort of, of time bound component. Um, and you need to construct goals thinking about, again, daily weekly monthly activities that's what i call like kind of your short-term goals mm -hmm. and then you've got your longer-term goals of you know maybe every few months or this quarter half a year you know a year five years and then kind of my lifelong goals like what are those long long things that i want to achieve yep. definitely want to check off my list those are some of the just general directions when I'm, I'm trying to kind of coach people through that early goal setting phase you know make sure you've got those foundational elements in mind with the smart acronym kind of do a intrinsic versus extrinsic, you know, modeling, figuring out where you fall for each. And then through that, you know, trying to achieve some balance between those intrinsic and extrinsic goals through that sort of network or that web of goal setting based upon those timestamps. Mm -hmm. Now you've really got a platform in front of yourself that's built for growth. Hopefully it's got some feedback coming to you along the way from coaches or from teachers or from, you know, your, your business manager or whomever you kind of report to or work with. And then through that, you're going to get a lot of personal development. You're going to get a lot of growth. And people are also typically just happier because if you have goals and you're hitting them, you also just get like more dopamine and kind of more positive interaction and emotion yeah. from with yourself. But then you, you all can kind of share in that with each other. And so that's where you can develop some of that group cohesion and bonding and uh, and just, you know, further growth and success. That's awesome. You know, and just to let kind of the listenership into my world, you know, right now, I, I wasn't planning on kind of sharing this, but, you know, I was talking to my brother, which I know, Justin, you know, very well. And, and my brother's been kind of a, uh, a push pusher for me in regards to kind of this next chapter. And a lot of that entails sports squire and, and a lot of people are still discovering and engaging with what sports squire means. But, you know, the vision on top of just this podcast is to, to really help bridge educational content for people of all walks of life, whether you're an athlete, whether you're, you know, uh, just someone that, that is personally engaging in a wellness journey. And for me, um, you know, being a physical therapist, I know the physical therapy world well, and I've taught, you know, in different realms, whether it's at the university level or in, you know, continuing education credits. And that's, that's kind of where my passion is. And I have this vision for like, what I think is lacking out in the PT world in regards to bridging 
you have an athlete that comes in and is treated by a non-athlete, doesn't understand strength and conditioning. It's no fault of the therapist that's in there. They just don't have that experience or they don't have a background in nutrition that's going to help them to, you know, get over some of those internal biological processes that are going to help them to optimally heal. Or in your case, you know, they don't have access to a mental health specialist and they don't have a lot of these different things. So for me, like I have this vision of trying to create this coursework, right? And it's a very big vision of, of kind of what I think can happen. But yet what you just talked through with all those smart goals, you know, I have, I've found that I've struggled the most when, you know, I look specifically at those timelines. How do I then pare it down and start one course at a time? And, you know, for me, I had the, the conversation with Steve, my brother over the weekend, and he's like, you know, you may need to make a list and you need to do what's the next most important thing and make that list. And, you know, so then I, I, I actually decided, so I'm, this is kind of maybe a little bit of a release to some of the, the PTs that are out there. I'm doing a, uh, an integrated approach to the athletic shoulder. So it's going to be a, uh, you know, one day course here at the end of February, that's essentially integrating pitching mechanics, uh, quarterback mechanics, front crawl, which is the front stroke and swimming, and then looking at uh, volleyball spike and serve in ways that, you can use your, your shoulder anatomy, your shoulder biomechanics, and then use the, the sport-specific biomechanics to actually be able to better treat those athletes and serve them. And um, I will tell you what you just talked about with dopamine. Once I decided, because I have a list, and you know me well enough now, that I've got this list of all of these ideas. And this is a very granular one. I know some of you out there are like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, but, like, is that... Is that normal? I mean, because for me, like, I'm like trying to nail jello to a tree sometimes. Like, I, I've got all these thoughts, all these goals, but like, I'm like, how do I get to where this vision is taking me? Did I just make any sense at all? Yeah. So, <clears throat> the one thing about goals is that um, sometimes whenever we're thinking about these like really big goals, we have a problem with scale, right, in the human mind, and we yeah. also have the problem with boundaries. We don't, we aren't very good at knowing maybe where our boundaries lie, um, and then when we talk about big ideas, like what that scale actually means, like for what I got to do right now, today, this week, you know, this month. Um, so first of all, it always helps to break things down into smaller pieces. If you look at the big, big thing, some people can get excited by that, and if you do, use it when you need it for your motivation. But for a lot of people, they get anxious by that, especially when you start jumping into it and attacking that monster. It's yeah. like, wow, that's a huge mountain to climb. Right. Um, but if you talk to mountain climbers, how do you do it? Well, it's one foot after the other, right? It's and that's their goal. One and like stage at a time. Exactly. And they some and they for them, they make so much meaning out of a step that they get far more dopamine out of that step than I do walking out here to my car, yeah. right? And and that that intention that they put behind it and the gratitude, I guess, that they experience when they accomplish that, that's kind of about that whole dynamic, right? And, and they, that's they a simple also, thing. but They, they it's, also move it's, backwards sometimes, right? Like, which <laughs> is right. kind of crazy. Like, you go get acclimated and then you come right back down. It's like, that's kind of a... Uh, I, I, I was not prepped for that, but when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like... That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and so that's the process, you know, that we that we go through. And I think knowing it, and knowing its sort of ins and outs and its lights and dark sides, like that just makes us, you know, more tolerant of ourselves and getting into it and more understanding, hopefully, of like 
what we're doing while we're there. And so, you know, as you're kind of going through these goals, doing whatever it is you're doing, you also notice like you're thinking really about how you relate to that thing. And that's such an important piece to just keeping yourself motivated. And that's, that's how you eventually get to those intrinsic dynamics that we've talked about. Cause like, that's kind of the, 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 the sort of, you know, golden piece to this, because what we find is like the best people at everything they essentially have a high, high level of intrinsic motivation for doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's pushed them beyond, you know, whatever the paycheck is. You know, right. some people say, well, why is that guy still playing, playing, you know, basketball? He's He's got so many hundreds of millions of dollars, right? You see these, I was watching Drew, Drew Brees play quarterback the other day thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I remember when he was at Purdue, <laughs> like how long has he been in the NFL? Forever. He's still playing great. And, but part of you asks, like, why keep doing it at that age? You've yeah. kind of done it, especially the guys like Tom Brady, right? Yeah. I mean, you've done it. Yeah. You've completely done it. But it's because these guys have such a relationship to it. It is their place of meaning and purpose. And, like, they've just got so much constructed around it. And it is so much of who they are. Like, that sort of them sticking around, even for those guys that stick around too long, like, I think we need to understand, too, of, like, this is almost like a faith spiritual experience sure. for them of like that's how that's how their commitment goes but that starts with might have started with somebody being an external factor of like you know a dad pushing them a little bit yeah. and it, you know those, those things can start in that way but i think we as parents we as coaches need to understand kind of the fluctuations of maybe you know when an external thing is needed now when do we need to take a step back and kind of let that autonomy let that independence grow you know let that person make some choices or decisions like that kind of in and out and knowing when to be external and kind of when when to let the internal ride I think that's kind of the masterful part of coaching that's yeah. the masterful part of, of teaching and parenting um, and 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 knowing of course then what to provide as far as an external reward or a punishment um, or an internal reward or punishment for ourselves it's all circumstantial but I think that's always the balance that we're trying to construct and that puts your child in the best place too because if it's always reward 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 well then at what point do they their own will kind of come through and say mm -hmm. no I'm doing it because I love it or like it yeah versus I'm doing it because I want to get some money or seem like I'm you right. know cool or I want to be you know some other thing that people may think about me um, that changes the way they think about themselves so at some point you know you got to kind of pull the reins off and um, and just let them, you know, be a kid and maybe make some mistakes and failures, but then help them through that. Mm -hmm. That's where the power of the parenting is. It's not in preventing that and keeping that stuff out of the way. It's so hard, though. But, yeah, it's, oh. and, you see, and you see the disasters even coming, I'm sure, sometimes, right? But then it's like helping them cope and deal with that. Like, that's where the real skills are, right? Because, you know, if life's going going great, like, it is easy for us, but we really deal with the difficulty and the struggle. And I think that's what parents need to sort of allow to happen right. to then coach their kids through that. That'll make them better athletes. Coaches sometimes also need to let their players fail and teach them a healthy way to deal with that failure, especially yeah. those players that are just really competitive, you know, and they're, they're almost perfectionists. Like that can also be coming from a place of pain and a place of social and external pressure. How do we help them interiorize that, internalize that, and then make that actually something that's that's really empowering for them? We see a lot of great athletes have these moments where it's kind of shifted from this external force, and then I made some decision, no, that's not happening, or this yeah. isn't happening, and, and all of a sudden that, that change happens. Like, that can be the most powerful 
shift in somebody's entire life. And so if you're a coach and you can help facilitate that, you're a teacher, you're a parent, uh, and you kind of understand how those internal dynamics are working, again, um, it can just be a really important point of transformation and guidance. You know, it's interesting. You you were talking about Drew Brees, and uh, I read his biography right after the Saints won the Super Bowl. And um, one of the things that I remembered, because you, you, you look at some of these successful individuals and you you don't see the dark side. You don't see, like you just said, like, is there something external that maybe changes a person? And with Drew Brees, and, and I I am one that I, I fan stalk him on Twitter because I just love how involved he is as a father. I was watching the game the other night. He's got all three of his, three or four of his kids up there with his wife. The two of them are sitting on his wife's lap. Like, you can just tell it's a very nurturing family. And um, I love seeing his videos of him just rifling footballs at the boys and you know they're catching them all and they're all running in circles like a you know assembly line but you know the thing is when I read that book his his mother um, and him had a very estranged relationship and uh, she struggled you know for a long time most of her life he thinks with with mental health issues and it wasn't until she passed away that he realized that she was struggling from bipolar uh, this um, syndrome mm-hmm. and uh you know, there was a, a lot of animosity between his wife and, and, and the mother, and, you know, that created some conflict, I'm sure. But I just wonder, even with him, like, how much of his success has been internalized? Because the thing, all, all you see now is just all of the outward-focusing things that he does for the community in New Orleans, for, you know, so many different things. I mean, giving back to Purdue, I mean, what, what he's done at Purdue has just been phenomenal. But... There has to there has to be some part of his journey, and he wouldn't have wrote about it if, if he didn't think that has galvanized him to that leadership spot, right? Yeah, and so and we shouldn't just reserve you know these um, places for a lot of high level athletes. You know, it's true. It's, it's tough that it's we t- it's tough that we have to hear that story. You know, in a book written by a pro athlete when it's probably such a common experience for you know so just so many athletes, right. right? Definitely that are pros. Um, but you know, nonetheless, like the lessons I'm sure he was learning in sports, uh, he was able to take home, right. And help himself deal with what happened at home. But he was also, I'm sure using sports, you know, as a place to cope and deal. And so we also see that interrelationship, um, where if you are incorporating proper, you know, techniques in terms of looking at, you know, goal setting, and you're also just using, you know, brain-based strategies to help manage and develop your team. Like those can be also skills that are taken to the home place, right, or educational spaces that can now help to enrich that environment for that individual. So we're not we're not talking about you know giving you skills or uh, strategies that are isolated to this thing or that thing. Like they're all inclusive, right? They include all of your life. And so even when we're talking about goal setting, like you should have goals for also like your lifestyle, like your social life, your family life. We're not only talking about you as an athlete or you know you as a worker. Um, but just you, your life, it needs that kind of space too. So don't like create so many goals to be so active that you forget about like what just keeps you happy because there is also you that you have to protect here and just making sure, you know, your stress is managed because we know that when people get really stressed, yeah, your goals are and, and things that you want to accomplish are going to be checked off that list, right? Yeah. That's just going to lead to kind of a slowdown of the system. And it's funny that when you're stressed, your goals tend to become very much more extrinsics because we want to focus on things outside of ourselves mm-hmm. now. And 
So even stress can redirect us or pull us away from those intrinsic goals if we're not careful. So we've really got to be good at taking time to develop those, be really thoughtful and mindful about that, and make sure it's really important for you and you're finding ways to remind yourself of what those are because, you know, with one one thing after the other as the dominoes fall in a life that, you know, can be filled with stress in, in a moment's notice, You've got to be able to buffer that. And those those buffers come from those intrinsic goals. And that also helps your team, if you're a coach or a player, uh, manage to avoid those those peaks and valleys, you know, mid-game, but also throughout a season. Mm-hmm. We just find much more of that steady sort of inclined growth that you want to see as a coach where you're just, you know, you're getting 5 or 10% better every month, right? Mm-hmm. And you just know that by the end of the season, you know, you're going to be in the right place. If that's the kind of pace and things that you're looking for, you know, if you want that consistency, you got to have a model and you got to have some scientific systems to back it up. And so I think that's what some of this provides. There's, of course, a lot more detail to get into you know, about how to deal with this, um, even, you know, dealing with wins and losses as a coach, like that's a really important moment after a game. How are you constructing that dialogue and how are you managing that communication? You know, there are r- right ways and wrong ways to do it based upon the research. And so um, hopefully that's that's more stuff that we'll get into in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's great, man. And so I think to summarize what we've talked about already, so we've talked about, you know, intrinsic goals, extrinsic goals. You talked about you know, 45 days to change a bad habit. You know, we talk about, you know, the SMART principle, specific, measurable, uh, attainable, realistic time frame, um, and, and, and just being able to kind of break those goals down, you know, having a larger vision, but also breaking them down into daily goals, weekly goals, uh, maybe part tasking part of the goal if it's something that you need to do. You know, you talked about reward punishment in regards to, um, you know, trying to extrinsic, extrinsically kind of motivate yourself, probably intrinsically as well, if, if you're doing some of that. Where where else can someone, you know, go? If we're, if we're looking at motivation, we're, we've already talked about that a little bit in regards to how different people are motivated and how um, the, that accountability can kind of tie in. What are some other things that can help with that personal transformation process as people start looking to set goals into next year? Yeah, so you know, I think I'm going to leave your your listeners with just a few things to consider, and and some of them are going to be you know in the form of, of maybe some to dos, um, but just a couple of items to keep in mind. So we talked about with intrinsic motivation, right? Um, this being kind of a hard thing for athletes, and, and I even try to get my students to do this, they have a hard time expressing this. And so I always try to say, well, cultivate kind of an artistic sensibility, like listen to some, some of your favorite music, you know, get yourself in that mind state. Don't be stressed or thinking about what's coming next or a to-do list. Like we don't want to be in that mind. And so uh, we actually want you activating more of your right hemisphere in the brain here. And, and that's what's more free-flowing, free-thinking, right? When athletes are in the zone, like that's the side of the brain that's dominant. When they get stressed, all of a sudden they switch hemispheres and now they try to control too much. And so the first thing you need to do is just set the space. So that's, that's, that's like step one. What is your space for creating a very stress-free, relaxed, thoughtful you know, kind of wise and creative mindset. Cultivate that for yourself. For me, that's like, you know, hiking in nature, probably drinking some coffee or hot tea, stretching. I'm usually doing some sort of, you know, deep reading, some sort of like wisdom type of stuff, not like, you know, how to plant a garden, but like something that's that's kind of deep and inward. I'm going to do some writing. I'm going to sleep a lot meditation, those types of things. That's how I cultivate my inward space, because that's what you have to have first. 
So that's number one, the inward space. And then I would say create what I call the why I journal. So um, why do I do this thing? And take the intrinsic perspective as much as you can. So for the intrinsic perspective, you're looking at, again, autonomy, right? Mastery and purpose. Is it helping you, again, be more independent in some way? So for instance, I'm thinking about, you know, as a as a athlete who wanted to be a college athlete, I was thinking in high school, like, if we're doing a drill, does this skill set in some way make me more marketable as like a next level athlete or player, right? Um, whenever we're looking at something like mastery, it's of course, getting something down and being really good at it being a tech technician, right? You're actually you've got a skill set that you're developing, I'm trying to be a better writer, I'm trying to be a better speaker. Um, and then, of course, Whenever we're looking at uh, the intrinsic components, I want to go through just a couple of things here. Uh, so this is some of the things I've had students say just in terms of like an athlete say why they play sports. So for one, um, my sport is creative, right? It has a wide variety of styles and play. It's a combination of individual and collective skills. Um, it's a chess match. It's a strategy, right? It's about continuous motion and pace and rhythm. Uh, it's dynamic. It's highly athletic. It's highly competitive. So these are all things that are like intrinsic reasons for, you know, playing a game or playing a, cer a certain type of sport. So get underneath what you do and why you do it. It's, you can get beyond a lot of like the social, external, extrinsic things, uh, again, of, of trying to please people or being afraid of what people might say and try to make it come from more of an authentic kind of inner self. Um, and, and try to make it m very much about you and who you want to become and your values. And then you can start thinking about how am I going to lump and slice these goals. So if I want to be able to do something, again, take that big goal, break it down into several parts, right? Balance the intrinsic and extrinsic goals along the way. Be thinking about your daily, weekly, monthly, and again, six month, a year, and even longer as part of that process. And just kind of brainstorm with that. Write some things down. Try to organize some things. It doesn't have to be something that's terribly like controlled. It can be more of a creative, you know, expressive type of process for some people. Um, and then just continue to put your web together. And this can be, you know, not something where if I miss a goal, I've got to get really upset. Like, know that you're going to miss some goals and make that okay. Because if you get really upset, that doesn't necessarily change your behavior. If anything, it, it may predict that you're going to quit sooner. So, you know, manage the difficulties and then really enjoy the lights. And hopefully it just leads to, a, you know, continued growth, success, fulfillment. And if you're feeling unfulfilled, if you're feeling too stressed or you're feeling burnt out, go back and reform some of those goals because that's usually the place where it starts. Almost always if I'm dealing with an issue with an athlete or a student, once we start to kind of winnow away at some of the superficial stuff, we get down to the core of it. And it's usually like, why are you here? How are your, what are your goals? You know, how are you prioritizing your time, you know, in connection with those goals and therein typically lies the problem. And so again, if you're feeling th that way, take some time, create that space for yourself, take your, take yourself through some of these steps that we've had in this conversation. And at least that's going to give you some direction and kind of finding your way out. I love that. Thank you so much for summarizing those, those action to do's. I mean, that's, that's so helpful. I love that what you said too, prioritizing your time to make sure that you're you're hitting your goals. A lot of great stuff in today's uh, today's episode, and and I think I need to uh, I need to pick your brain more on just like you know if if someone that is a psychology expert is doing something um, that seems uh, good for for mental wellness, you should probably copy them. So you know, Justin has been one. I've known him for for a very long time. Um, you know, he's. He's a guy's guy, you know, in regards to, you know, sports, but, 
you know, the fact that, you know, he's learned that how the, the nature side of his, uh, his brain really helps him to reflect and reset and kind of brings him that, that Zen for a, a lack of better, better terms. But, um, you know, I hope, hope a lot of you guys got out, got out of this, what I got out of it. And that's just, uh, you know, just knowing that number one, we've learned today that goals actually change your brain. It changes, uh, the, the ability for your, your nervous system to be able to, to change and adapt and biologically changes you to, to just think quicker and have quicker synapses as Justin mentioned. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, ultimately for all of us, for wanting to make that personal transformation, we've got to make that commitment first and we've got to create the time, like Justin said, and, and, and just really push forward. And, you know, I, praying for all of you out there. I'm praying for the world. I'm praying for, uh, for, for the two of us sitting here having this conversation as well, that, you know, we can just continue to be challenged with, you know, things that we didn't even know, uh, you know, we should be challenged by, you know, opening our minds to, to new experiences. And, and, uh, I think that that's a very healthy thing. And, you know, I think just lastly too, I just, I I think that open-mindedness is something that I think is in my short short life I've noticed as a, a huge benefit. When I'm around people that are not close-minded and not uh, extremely in pen, opinionated on things, it allows allows you to grow um, and it allows you to see different vantage points and different perspectives from different people. So if, you, if you're one that struggles with, uh, with goal setting and maybe you are that stubborn type that Justin talked about and you've created this rigidity throughout your life, you can, you can change that. And you can work through that and you can work on being a little bit more open-minded and some of these concepts may be able to benefit you a little bit better. So Justin, hey, for for you and I, and this is probably a little premature, but like, you know, you and I have talked off air about, you know, creating some curriculum, you know, and there's just such a need for mental health and wellness um, you know, on the on the on the mental side of things, I think there is a blend with the need for physical movement and, and moving in that capacity. Where do you see? I know you and I have talked specifically about creating some of that. Where do you see the need academically? Like, where where does this need to go? Because it's just such a widespread need. I mean, is it coaches? Is it teachers? Is it parents? Like, where does this thing? Where does it go? I mean, ideally, it would be to <laughs> to all of those groups. Um, but I think I think most importantly, we're looking at you know coaches, young athletes, parents of athletes. I think this is the place where we can have the biggest impact. Um, and so you know, even coaches, organizations, and um, there's plenty of training you know modules that I've been through uh, in order to become a certified coach in the state of Indiana, at least. And so uh, I think that that's the place of, of, of greatest impact for us. And I also think that, you know, if we can start showing some success through sport, um, a lot of these systems can also, you know, find their ways into, into people's lives, you know, through education and um, through other programming. And so um, I just would encourage, you know, everyone out there just to continue kind of supporting, you know, access to these kinds of services, these kinds of resources, um, continue to share them as much as possible. And, uh, and, and like you've said, Brad, you know, and, and I've experienced, you've, I'm sure you've experienced, and one of the hardest, you know, points even in my, you know, athletic career was dealing with injuries. Um, yeah. When I was, you know, in college, really serious, you know, you want to be mm-hmm. at your peak and you want to be playing your best basketball of your life. And if you're really ambitious and motivated and you're not, 
you know, that's a recipe for a lot of stress and on yeah. top of classes and, and just everything else you're going through. And so I find that that's also something that, uh, and with more young people being injured and having to recover from that and taking through that process, if not done properly, um, it can set that athlete back, not only physically, as you know, but we also know psychologically that can start to dissuade them or pull them away from that sport, being less and less enjoyed by it, more forced maybe by these external factors. And now they lose that relationship to it. But it could have all, you know, potentially worked out a little differently, maybe if they'd been handled a little bit better, you know, through that uh, through that healing process. Oh, that's uh, And I'm excited about that. And we're just giving you a sneak peek of uh, you know, Justin and I both are working on a combined project that we're both extremely passionate about in, in reference to those type of athletes who suffer season-ending injuries and the mental wear that it has and the grief that they go through and the whole mental process of goal setting and a lot of the different motivational type things that we talked about today that have very similar parallels, but also, you know, tying in that purpose and that goal setting and the intrinsic environment to the physical rehabilitation because there has to be a blended approach and that's just something that I see that is extremely missing in our current kind of musculoskeletal healthcare um, place so you know we're excited to, to put that curriculum together to, to really help to influence hopefully you know those that are leading these athletes and just give them better resources so that they have an opportunity to recover and rehabilitate as a complete human being and not just as a ACL tear or an Achilles repair or, you know, whatever the, the, the injury may be. And, you know, hopefully what you'll see is a Drew Brees. I mean, out of that book too, Drew Brees dislocated his shoulder diving on a fumble when he was playing for the San Diego Chargers, tore three out of the four rotator cuff tear, three out of the four rotator cuff tendons, and then had a 360 degree tear of his labrum. And uh, James Andrews, who's one of the best orthopedic surgeons in all sports medicine down in Alabama, fixed it. And in the book, he talks about and says, you know what, Drew, I just did the best surgery I've ever done in my entire life. And I'm not sure if you're ever going to throw a football again. And, you know, you think about that and you think about the uh, anxiety, the pressure, you know, the internal battle that he probably had. I, I would love to have a conversation with Drew Brees. If any of you know Drew Brees out there and can get him on Sportsquire to tell his journey of his rehab, I'm telling you what, I'd be like a kid in a candy store. Um, so we're going to have to try to make that happen somehow. Get Drew on and, uh, and maybe you can pick his brain on, on some of the, the psychological aspects that helped him with his recovery. <laughs> yeah, I got a few questions I could ask him for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in, in professional athletes and also the level of psychological care they probably are now receiving yeah. as they're going through an injury. Um, I would love to see more and more of those services and, and those opportunities just trickle down to young people. And, um, you know, if we can get them healthier faster, that also just helps them uh, and their health progress and their skills progress that much faster as well. Awesome. Justin, I can't can't thank you enough, man. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your your passion for mental wellness and the willingness to come on here and to be just such a pivotal part. I mean, this is growing into being such an organic, uh, you know, part of, of, of Sports Squire and you know, I'm really looking forward as, as we pr progress forward into, you know, several years in the future to be able to look back at kind of these these last several months and all the conversations that we've had in regards to some of the lapses in care um, that some individuals have. And I'm just really super excited to, to see what can come of that. And, um, you know, for the listenership out there, this is the last 
episode of season one of Sports Squire. I can't thank you guys enough. We've got 14 countries across the world that we're broadcasting this on, and it's kind of weird to think about that there's some people that are listening to this, um, you know, later in the day or whatever it may be, but they're on a completely different side of the world. So for you that are out there, thank you for listening. We've got, you know, 45 uh, states in the United States here. So, you know, there's the, the, the audience is growing, and I think information like this is, is only going to help better serve those to have, um, you know, a better uh, purpose and direction for how they can lead their wellness. As we move forward into February, uh, we will be taking a break on some of the organic content that we'll, we'll be progressing through, and we're going to kind of do some um, compiling of Season 1 and giving you guys some clips uh, of some some different things that can help you kind of just strengthen and confirm some of the knowledge that you've met on season one. We also will be ramping up our interviews as well. So you'll be hearing from some different voices and getting some different vantage points with those that are either within the sports leadership uh, you know arena that are that are different athletes. Um, and then you know I'm looking forward to having you Justin on again as well. We've got a, an entire, uh, you know, laundry list of, of things to get through. And, you know, I think we'll eventually probably hand the hand the mic over to Justin and just let him run uh, with some concepts eventually too because I just, I know that that can really benefit a lot of us out there. So as you're listening to this, uh, I hope you guys have a safe New Year's Eve. You know, God bless you all. I hope you, you know, all find, you know, better purpose, better goal setting, you know, better commitments. And, you know, if you have any questions and any needs, you know, you can always email me at bradhowelldpt at gmail.com. Please leave us a review of anything that you're enjoying during the segment, and have a great new year. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.